Support for the show comes from SoFi Invest. Alternative investments are now available on SoFi. Unlock the potential to build and protect your wealth with alternatives including real estate, venture capital, pre-IPO unicorns, and more at SoFi.com slash Vox. Active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA, SIPC. Alternative funds have unique risks, including the risk of loss, may charge high fees, can be illiquid, and may not be suitable for all investors. Prior to investing in any fund, carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and important information contained in a fund's prospectus. Hey everyone, how's it going? It's Anthony Kizenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Happy to have you all with us on Monday. Unfortunately, we are not talking about a Bengals victory. A close one, close one, and a lot of people uh, maybe maybe are happy that the Bengals didn't pull that one out for their draft positioning. Second year in a row, I guess we got to talk about draft positioning uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals, unfortunately, given some injuries and everything else that's going on. We've got... Some injury updates, a lot of things to get to. I, I kind of renamed this the the water cooler chat because usually this is kind of the stuff that if you were to go into an office, maybe it's an old school reference. But hi, Mark, how you doing? Thanks for saying hello, Mark Barbie, Barbieri. Um, if you were going into an office at this point in time, you'd kind of chill out around a water cooler and talk some sports, talk about some news, all that kind of stuff. So we're kind of doing the same thing, just doing it virtually. And hopefully you guys enjoy this. In case you're new here, kind of what I do in this in this episode here, I just kind of take about 15, 20, maybe a little bit more minutes and go through all of the headlines, the fallout from the Bengals' most recent game and the headlines coming from that. We take a little spin around the AFC North, just kind of seeing what's going on with the other teams uh, in the division. And then, of course, just around the NFL, just getting you caught up on all kinds of stuff uh, as you get your week started here. David Yates already in fa- in the Facebook chat saying, uh, we need the tackle from Oregon. Hey, by the way, Coach Coach Matt Minnick is joining us uh, via Twitter here. He left a comment, water water cooler therapist couch, same, same. David, go check out Coach Minnick's. If, if for some reason you don't follow that guy on Twitter, go check out his Twitter account and look at all the film review he has done on Panay Sewell, the tackle from Oregon. A lot of good film work. I'm sure he'll probably be putting together a Chalk Talk episode or something. I'm already creating work for the poor guy. feel bad for him. But, hey, uh, he may be putting up a, a Chalk Talk episode coming up here on Panay Sewell. Great, great football player and some good breakdown from, from Coach. I, I had the pleasure of watching a lot of Sewell, particularly last year with Herbert. And, um, you know, he's a guy to, to really marvel at. And, and Matt's doing some homework on that. You got to love when people do homework for you. When people do your homework for you, you got to love that. You got to love that. So uh, good to have everybody here. Let's let's get right to it. I'm going to start sharing my screen. And one of the things I'm going to share with you here to start off, this is Zach Taylor, Bengals head coach, obviously, talking about, uh, it was a question that was asked of him by Ben Baby of ESPN talking about pressure based on his win-loss record thus far with the Cincinnati Bengals. This is on Twitter, uh, so let me pull this up for you here, and hopefully you can hear it. It looks like it's unmuted. Here's what Zach Taylor had to say about the four wins at the end of his second season. I don't 
every single day to be urgent, um, to do my job the best I can. And it shouldn't change. If, if you believe in the way that you're approaching things and, and what your vision is, um, it shouldn't change based on based on wins or losses. Uh, you know, I'm, I, we tell the guys we want consistent players to walk through the building every single day. We need to know what to expect from them. Um, I, I sure as heck am not going to be any different than the day I was the day I showed up on the job. And um, believe in what the staff is asking these players to do. Believe that the players have bought in and they know that this is the right way to do it. And and we're not going to change just because of um, we're not going to change our personalities or the way we go about our business just because of of the, the trials that we face. So a pretty confident Zach Taylor. Uh, obviously, he's unhappy with the record as well, but it's still a pretty confident Zach Taylor in terms of what he believes in his staff and what he believes in himself, his coaching abilities, et cetera. Um, you know, the, the numbers don't really speak to that confidence that he has. I, I sent out a, a tweet to somebody, you know, somebody complimented Zach in the way he handles himself in these pressers. I, I actually think that that's one of Zach Taylor's biggest strong suits as, a, as an NFL head coach. And I know, obviously, you want a head coach to focus on the X's and O's and personnel, develop player development, obviously. But that is a major part of being an NFL head coach, being able to handle the media, field the questions, answer the tough ones. And I feel like Zach does a pretty good job of that because there's been a lot of tough questions to him based on his record, et cetera. So, um, you know, I take that answer for what you will. I mean, obviously, nobody's happy with this. And I think that's why you're seeing some reports of disgruntled players, et cetera. But uh, nobody's happy where the Bengals are at right now. And I feel that most of us, obviously with a healthy burrow, but most of us figured that this would be a year where the Bengals would show some some really nice development, maybe not make the playoffs, but have a nice developmental year, feel good about where they're headed and and go into 21, opening that potential championship window. And that just hasn't been the case. The injuries to DJ Reader, Joe Burrow, I mean, Geno Atkins early in the year, it's just, it's accumulated quite a bit. So uh, anyway, I wanted to share that. I found that to be very interesting. Again, that's on Ben Baby's of ESPN on his Twitter account, a video, he asked a question of Zach Taylor in terms of his record and where his mindset is at at this point in time. Let's keep moving here. The next thing I will be sharing for those of you that are watching via face Cincy Jungle's Facebook page, or if you're watching us on Twitter, on the Bengals OBI Twitter account, or if you're watching us on the YouTube channel, I'm going to be sharing my video or my screen here on a couple of different things. Again, you got to love when people do the homework for you. And we've got some PFF scores and other stuff to get to. I wanted to share this real quickly. This is a quote via Lindsey Patterson, uh, Cincinnati media member. Uh, Learn to win with what you have is a quote that Tim McGee former Bengals wide receiver. He actually was on our program a handful of months back, and we're actually trying to get him back on. So we may try and get him on this week, but I thought this was a very interesting tweet. There is an article also up on cincyjungle.com referencing this tweet that uh, Zach, you know, talking about Zach Taylor, you have to learn to win with what you have. That is a mark of a good coach. And right now, Zach Taylor, we can talk about all the excuses, injuries, et cetera. And Zach Taylor is just simply not getting it done. And these one score games just drive you nuts. They drive you nuts because you feel like you're even with the personnel losses, you feel like you're that close, but also it just, it's a, a repeat. And at some point you got to kind of say what, what really is the, this is a symptom of something. Is it the injuries and that's it? Or is it the coaching staff and their inability to be able to find ways to win? And as Tim McGee eloquently put it, find, find ways to win 
with what you have. And uh, they are not doing that. That's the mark of a lot of great coaches. I mean, you saw that in, in the, you know, with Bill Walsh and Bill Belichick. And I mean, that's, that's just what, how these guys really kind of created their, their legacy. And unfortunately um, it's not really working for, for Zach at this point. All right, let's keep moving on. This is where somebody, our good friend Bengals captain, everybody knows the Bengals captain. He did uh, a lot of work for us by relaying some PFF scores. I thought this was kind of interesting. Go follow the captain. If you don't great guy, he and his wife are great uh, super fans and uh, ambassadors of the club. So uh, go follow them. If for some reason you don't, he was on our Gansett beer pregame show. Uh, early in the season. Really good guy. Anyway, you see the PFF scores, Boyd, Sample, Tate, Green, and Bernard as receivers, all between basically mid-50s and high-30s. Awful. Bernard had a big drop. Green uh, was was a non-factor. So was Tate. Sample had the fumble. Um, Boyd had a ball. It wasn't really a drop. It got jarred loose, but it was an important play that You've seen him make some tough, tougher catches than that. Just didn't come down within an important part of the game. So just really poor grades from a lot of important players there on offense. And then you've got really, really bad uh, offensive line scores. Jonah Williams had a really bad day, 48.8. He let up two sacks and I think three pressures, lowest of, across the board there. Um, and then you see T. Higgins was the only guy that that was above 70 with seven, on, on offense, that is, 74.2. So uh, Michael Jordan, surprisingly, had a 68 PFF score. Interesting stuff there. And then on defense, a lot. Uh, Akeem Davis-Gaither, 91.3 PFF score. Uh, he had a near interception where he dove for it. And then, of course, Bell had a, aside from the one big pass he led up to Evan Ingram, uh, had a forced fumble and fumble recovery. A lot of, I think he had a tackle for loss and, and led the team in tackles. So 81.6 PFF score there. Lawson 77.6 with a couple of pressures, no sacks. Bynes at 73.4, very active day for Josh Bynes. Jesse Bates, 70.1. And Mackenzie Alexander, 87.3. He and Josh Bynes were everywhere yesterday, everywhere. Those guys were all over the place making plays and made life miserable for both Daniel Jones and Colt McCoy, who came in in relief for Daniel Jones. We're going to keep it moving here. I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider. Thanks for tuning in live. Thanks for downloading After the Fact. This is the water cooler chat. I don't know. If you don't like the name, let me know. I don't know. I'm just trying to tinker around with some stuff. Kind of kind of trying to build some, I don't know, office-like camaraderie, friendships, that sort of thing, even if it's virtually. We're going through all kinds of different news and notes as it pertains to the Cincinnati Bengals, the AFC North, and the NFL. Support for the show comes from SoFi Invest. Alternative investments are now available on SoFi. Unlock the potential to build and protect your wealth with alternatives including real estate, venture capital, pre-IPO unicorns, and more at SoFi.com slash Vox. Active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA, SIPC. Alternative funds have unique risks, including the risk of loss, may charge high fees, can be illiquid, and may not be suitable for all investors. Prior to investing in any fund, carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and important information contained in a fund's prospectus. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. 
we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Going to be here a few more minutes. Appreciate you joining us. If you're joining us on a number of different platforms live, I appreciate that. And uh, we appreciate all the support you show, not only this program, but Orange is the New Black by Ace Boogie and Zim Hude, as well as Chalk Talk with Matt Minnick, all of which are available on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel on all major podcast streaming uh, platforms. So check that out. And then, of course, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. I think it's right here. You can subscribe to that channel there. Click that and get get notified when we go live. Of course, do the same on the Cincy Jungle channel. since the jungle Facebook page, Lindsay Brillhart, California bears hat. No, if you, that's the California flag. There's a, a bear and California Republic. That's like the California flag, but it was orange and black. So I kind of did a little, since I'm from Southern California, Bengals guy kind of tried to blend the two here. Um, so that's, that's what the deal is with the hat. Lindsay, I always wear lids. You guys know that if you've tuned in for any period of time, you know, I like to wear the, wear the lids and I know my flat bills, offend some of you, but hey, that's my style. <laughs> uh, thank you, Ian. Appreciate it, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Uh, hey, let's keep moving on. What do you say? Uh, let's go here. There's just a brief quote from bangles.com via Brandon Allen about his, uh, basically his first start. Let me pull this up here. Just a couple of quotes here, and this is from Jeff Hobson. Allen gets another shot as Bengals nearly catch the Giants. Uh, Right here, it's definitely a weird year, but it's a weird year for everyone, so there's no excuse for that, said Allen, his first career Zoom with the Cincinnati media. Coming four months after he signed, I've been around the building, and guys have seen me in practice. That first Wednesday practice was good for the whole team to see the throws being made. I tried to talk to as many guys as I could and get to know a lot of the guys. But with this season, with COVID-19, it is a very strange season. There's a whole big article about this. Hey, you know, it wasn't easy for Brandon Allen. He didn't play very well. He had a 50 PFF score, as you saw. Did throw a touchdown and an interception. Did have a sack fumble. It was an easy situation for him to get into, get thrown into, obviously. Limited practices, called up from the practice squad, and, you know, just kind of thrown into a starting role. If you joined us yesterday on the post-game show, you would have heard that Zach Taylor is basically committing at least to next week as Brandon Allen as his starter. So we will be seeing Brandon Allen continue at least next week as the starting quarterback for the Bengals. Um, but, I mean, not an easy situation. I know it's easy to criticize Brandon Allen. Not an easy situation. Obviously, you know, the hope that you have with Brandon Allen as you move forward here is you get some sort of an answer as to if he is a viable backup quarterback option for this team going forward, because in limited opportunities, Ryan Finley does not look that part. So they need to figure out what they have. Uh, You know, obviously the hope is you never have an injury issue with Joe Burrow ever again, but they unfortunately happen. And if you do have some sort of situation 
where you need a spot start here and there, uh, it, it would be good for this team to be able to know that a guy like potentially Brandon Allen can step in and do that. So that's kind of one of the goals as, as the Bengals end the year. Obviously, they want to try and end the year on a, on a better note, but uh, they, they need to figure out what they have at the backup quarterback situation. I think that's, um, I think that's definitely what's on, on the plate. <laughs> Eric Lyon, we suck. Well, yeah, they're not very good right now. That is, that is an unfortunate truth. Um, Jeffrey Turner says, I thought Allen had some decent throws. There were, there were some that were pretty good. There were some that were okay. There was one, like an egregious one he threw um, to AJ Green deep that he missed and he threw it late down the sideline, got batted down and he had an open underneath route. Same thing. I think it was twice. He just missed two underneath reads and went to another, uh, another read that just, you know, didn't end up netting him a, a good play, but you know, I think that also, I hope, I mean, the processing skills just aren't there with Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow's processing skills are off the charts. But I, I, I hope that that at least improves a little bit from what we've seen in terms of his processing and, and getting the correct reads. Um, you hope that that improves with a little bit more time, a little more practices, all that stuff under his belt. We'll see. Let's keep charging on. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks and Joe Burrow, the number one overall pick his, if this is on cincyjungle.com, by the way, his surgery has been scheduled, I believe it's this week. So um, yeah, it, out in my neck of the woods, out, out by LA, uh, he's going to have surgery uh, in, in about a week. So there are, if you continue to go follow Lindsay Patterson on Twitter, she also said, you know, she's spoken to another medical professional that said, um, you know, if Burrow was to have it even at the end of the year, the surgery at the end of the year, the timeline would still be that he would be able to start week one. It, it appears since that's been pushed up a couple of weeks, we're even we're even talking potentially a little bit sooner than that. And obviously don't want to rush him back, but you want him to be able to, it would be very beneficial if Joe Burrow was able to participate in whatever preseason and training camp will look like next year. Hopefully it'll be far more improved for a variety of reasons than what it was this year. But you would hope that he's able to do some of that stuff just to kind of knock off a little bit of the rust and get, you know, gain some more uh, cohesion with some of his receivers, et cetera. So we'll see. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be close. It's going to be a tight window if he's going to want to start uh, week one. And I think also after this surgery is done, we'll probably start hearing a little more details as to exactly the extent of the damage done in the knee. Um, we've heard kind of three ligaments. We've heard two ligaments. We've heard meniscus. We've heard all kinds of different kind of, I don't know if conflicting reports is the right word, but we need to kind of figure out exactly what's going on with Joe Burrow there. And, and hopefully we'll start hearing some more details as to the extent of the damage done when he has the procedure done. Uh, so yeah, um, that's, uh, you know, unfortunately I wish we weren't talking about that, but let's get that surgery out of the way. Let him rehab. Uh, apparently, if you've been keeping up to his rehab, has been uh, stellar already. He's been hanging out with uh, around the the complex and uh, still hanging out with with his teammates and getting work in and doing stuff with the trainers already. So he's eager. And uh, if there's one thing about Joe Burrow, this will not this will not be something that keeps him down. I don't I don't believe that that's something that'll keep him down. So anyway, let's keep moving on here. Let's do snap counts. And this is on cincyjungle.com. Snap counts across the board. Of course, the Bengals lost um, Alex Redmond during the game. He was the starting right 
guard for the game, and he ended up leaving with a uh, with a concussion. So then Quentin Spain moved over to the right side, and they brought in Michael Jordan uh, later in the game. But you see here, Trey Hopkins, 100% of the snaps. Mackenzie Alexander, 85% of the snaps. He was out there a lot. He was out there a lot. LaShawn Sims. Uh, pressed into a lot of action because of the injuries to Trey Waynes and the injury to Darius Phillips, 98% of the snaps. That is not what they envisioned for that guy. He was kind of the one of the last makes of the cornerback group in terms of the roster, 98% of the snaps. That's not, that's not how they envisioned that, unfortunately. Same with William Jackson, 98% of the defensive snaps there. Monty Bledsoe had a couple of nice, nice plays yesterday. He had 26, uh, he had 21 total snaps, 26% of them on defense. Khalid Kareem, just 16%. A couple of other notables, Marcus Hunt, 40, 44%. Sam Hubbard getting thrown into the fire from that elbow injury a few weeks back, 83%. Mike Daniels getting in there a lot, 53%. Geno Atkins, guys, 22%, 18 total snaps. Um, not really sure what's going on there. I, just not – I think he has one tackle on the entire season, Geno Atkins. Disheartening. Xavier Williams, 43%. That's this is this is kind of where it gets interesting when you look at the defensive tackle breakdowns there uh, of snaps. Christian Covington, twice as many snaps as Geno Atkins. Xavier Williams, almost twice as many snaps. So something's going on there. Something's going on there. Jermaine Pratt played quite a bit, 56%. He was active, made the most of those snaps. Josh Bynes, 60 snaps. And then, see, you can see here, I mean, just the disparity of snaps between offensive players and defensive players. The Bengals just weren't moving the ball very much, didn't have the ball very much. So you see the amount of snaps. It's just totally, just a, a total disparity between the two here. You see 100% of the snaps from Spain, Jonah, Bobby Hart, and, of course, Brandon Allen. Samaj P. Ryan, just seven plays. Giovanni Bernard, 78% of the offensive snaps, 80 uh, 81 total snaps. So if you look here, 81 total snaps, Von Bell is 100%. So 81 plays on defense to 49 plays on offense. That's a big, <laughs> that's a big difference. It's a big difference. Um, and then you see a few others down here. AJ Green, 40 snaps on offense. T Higgins, 45 snaps on offense. So that is your snap breakdown. And that can be found on cincyjungle.com. Let's take a spin quickly around the AFC North. I want to remind everybody that before I do that, you can get, there is a Bengals news kind of, uh, I don't know, news dump, I guess, <laughs> for a lack of better words, uh, on cincyjungle.com where there's a lot of different links and everything to a lot of other articles. So want to uh, we're kind of running up on time here, so I want to make sure that you guys go there. That's usually a daily thing that we put up on Cincy Jungle. So Check that out. The Browns had a bit of a scare yesterday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the just quickly going to show you some stuff here. You look at the stat line from Baker Mayfield and you say, hey, that's not too bad. 19 of 29, 258, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He did not play very well. There were there was an instance, if you can go find this video on Twitter, it's it's everywhere, but there was an instance in a goal line situation. Baker Mayfield had two guys open, Kareem Hunt underneath, and I don't remember the receiver who he ended up throwing it to. Wide open. Both of them were wide open for a gimme touchdown, overthrows him, 
and uh, miss some other kind of other throws. And you see here the score, the Browns eke it out 27-25 over the Jags, who were 1-10. Um, you see there, it's just not um, – just not – Clicking. Uh, it, it's weird to say too, because they are eight and three as a team, and I, I don't know. It's just they don't seem like a very strong eight and three team. Do the do, do the Cleveland Browns? But you know, Jarvis Landry, nice day. Um, Nick Chubb, great day. Kareem Hunt. I mean, if you know if you know anything about the Browns, they can run the football. They can run the football, and I, I, Baker Mayfield is playing. Play, he plays well off of play action and bootlegs and all of that. So um, you know, I think that's where they're going to try and continue to make make hay there, but um, not a convincing win in a game that should have been one for the Cleveland Browns, even though it was on the road and some issues continuing to pop up for Baker Mayfield. Quickly, the Steelers and Ravens game has been rescheduled. It was originally a Thanksgiving day, Thanksgiving night game. And then, you know, now they've extended that to be, you know, it's, it's now a Tuesday night game. So that, you know, the, the COVID spikes for both of those teams have hit. It's an important game in that division. The Steelers are 10 and 0 and uh, the Ra barely beat the Ravens a few weeks ago. And uh, the Ravens are definitely looking for revenge there. So that is a Tuesday night game as it currently stands. Who knows what's going to happen if those COVID numbers continue to spike, but that's where that game is. So we've got extra football, I guess, a little bit into the week. So check that out. That's one to watch. And then, of course, you had your Bengals losing yesterday against the Giants. Uh, just a couple of other quick things before we hop on out of here. The Lions and Packers game has been flexed in week 14 to a later start. So if for some reason that game intrigued you, that was kind of a noteworthy headline there on NFL.com. We've got an injury to an important one. Man, it has been, if you are a fantasy football owner, it has been a really, really rough year on running backs and important running backs. Josh Jacobs injures his ankle in their big loss uh, to the Falcons there. So uh, not sure. It says it's a sprain. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see exactly how long, but Josh Jacobs, yikes. Um, that goes along with Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey and Joe Mixon. I mean, these guys have all had kind of some significant injuries. So not a good year for running backs in terms of injuries and, and especially some of the bigger name running backs in the NFL right now, some really talented, young, good running backs, many of which got you know, a lot of them got paid this off season and um, you know, unfortunately they're just kind of dealing with some injuries. This is one I want to, uh, I guess, end with, we can end with this one in case this has been a really weird situation going on. And this is on NFL.com really weird situation with Tampa Bay. Um, there's now some reports that, Tom Brady and Bruce Arians are not getting along. And, um, you know, the, the Bucs are winning. They're winning some games. But, I mean, they got blown out a few weeks ago on primetime TV against the Saints in, in their own building. They got just uh, taken taken to task here by the by the Chiefs. And uh, so there's a lot of a lot of different 
issues going on with Tampa Bay. So it's not all sunshine and roses for Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. There are a lot of different issues going on there. We'll see exactly how that all plays out. It really hasn't been the best parting. I mean, I, I guess it's worked out a little better for Tom Brady in Tampa Bay because they're winning more games. But, um, you know, New England, they got a big win against Arizona. But, I mean, they're still around 500 right now. And, uh, you know, Tom Brady's team is real up and down, real up and down. So uh, we'll see. I think that's going to do it for us, guys. Lindsay, you're saying tomorrow night. Did I did I misspeak on the uh, the Ravens Steelers game? Let me check that. I, I I thought I had seen that it was Tuesday night. Did I misspeak on that? Uh, give me a sec. I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out. It is tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. I I I was I was right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. <laughs> doubting myself here. You guys got me doubting myself. Uh, at, at any rate, I appreciate you guys tuning in and uh, we're going to get on out of here. This has been kind of the water cooler chat. Hope you enjoyed it. We do this pretty much every Monday. We have our deep dive Wednesday show myself and John Sheeran. And then of course we've got our listener questions live that we do on most Fridays. We have our pregame show by Narragansett beer on Sunday mornings. Matt Minnick helms that that show. And then of course we do the post game show with myself wrapping up what happened with the Cincinnati Bengals. We're going to try and be getting some more guests on the orange and black insider uh, where we've been reaching out to some folks and trying to land some. So we will definitely keep you up to date if we have an update on that, but let's uh, that's about it for me on Monday. Enjoy the rest of your week guys. Hope you all had a good Thanksgiving. I know that was a few days ago, but hopefully you had a a good, safe Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll talk to you this week. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Support for the show comes from SoFi Invest. Alternative investments are now available on SoFi. Unlock the potential to build and protect your wealth with alternatives including real estate, venture capital, pre-IPO unicorns, and more at SoFi.com slash Vox. Active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA, SIPC. Alternative funds have unique risks, including the risk of loss, may charge high fees, can be illiquid, and may not be suitable for all investors. Prior to investing in any fund, carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and important information contained in a fund's prospectus.